Okay, so um, I just want to just uh, um, encourage us with the word of God on just some some principles to uh, manifesting the word of God. Um, something that we all we all desire to see um, um, the word of God uh, being manifested, and we are all working. Uh, towards seeing the word of God manifesting <clears throat> in our lives. So uh, just quickly, some scriptures, Ephesians 1 verse 3. Um, whilst people are coming in, Ephesians 1 verse 3, if you can just read there. Um, then after that, uh, you're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 21. So Ephesians 1 verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, verse 21 to 23. And then I hope you are taking notes of all of them. And then we're going to do 2 Peter. 2 Peter, Peter. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. So Ephesians 1, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 to 23, then 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Verse 3. Um, blessed, be the, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. As I continue. And then you're going to the next scripture I mentioned. First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. Yes. Um, okay, just yeah, read twenty-one and twenty-two. First Corinthians chapter three twenty one. Um, yes. So let so let no one exalt proudly concerning men, boasting of having this or that men as a leader. For all things are yours. Okay, I think that's fine. Um, Second Peter chapter one verse three. Second Peter one. For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to his life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellent virtue. Okay, thank you. Um, so greetings everyone, those who have joined in. Um, we are just sharing on uh, some principles to manifesting the word of God. Um, so in these scriptures, um, they are showing us what has happened um, in the spiritual realm. It's showing us what God has done. Uh, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So we see um, that this is something that he has done for us. Um, the, 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 the blessing is there, number one. Number two, 
the Bible says these blessings are in heavenly places. So obviously, uh, our greatest uh, and our uh, work is to say this blessing that is in heavenly places, then we want to see it manifested um, in, let's say, earthly places. Um, so that is that is uh, that is very important. First uh, Corinthians chapter one, First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse twenty-one. He actually tells us that you know all things are ours, and the and also in the book of Peter it talks about how he has given us all things that uh, concern life and godliness. That means when we look at godliness, we are talking about from the spiritual aspect to say uh, he has given us this Holy Spirit. He has given us the word of God. Um, you know, he has given us the the, the 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 all the spiritual things. Like you say, we have got a Bible. Uh, you know, as we are blessed that we have got a Bible, Genesis to Revelation, whereby we can then um even read and know what God is saying through the word of God. And then he says, uh, pertaining to life and godliness, which means uh, just our general life um, that is there. So one of the prayers of uh, uh, the apostles uh, in the book of 3 John, verse 2, his prayer was that, um, uh, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So now with this understanding, he said, you know, my desire is to see you prospering in these things that God has given um, but I like what he says there. He says, I pray that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So obviously, number one of the things you learn is that there is the prosperity of the soul. We understand that a man is, is a spirit. Or let me say, when you're born again, you are spirit. Um, and then you have a physical body, which we all know about. And then there's the soul. When we talk about the soul, we talk about the intellect, we talk about your ability to think, your ability to make choices, the will, your emotions. So he says, I want your soul to prosper. So the soul prospering then assists in, um, in us prospering in other areas of life as well. Because I think if you understand that, uh, let me call these three dimensions. Uh, there's a spiritual dimension, there's the soulish dimension, and then there's the physical dimension. So uh, according to my understanding, the spiritual dimension is the highest because the spirit is seated with Christ in heavenly places. So there's, there's nothing above that. If you are seated with Christ, if you are seated with God at the right hand of the Father, you know, if you, uh, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, if there's that union with God, then uh, they, there isn't something uh, else that you can be united to that can be greater than uh, God himself. So that part was then uh, dealt with uh, in salvation. Then after that, we have um, the, 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 the soulish realm. You know, the soulish realm is higher than the physical realm. Uh, how do we, with a simple way just to, to show that is when you are asleep, your body obviously is not dead, but your body is kind of not functioning because uh, when you when you wake up, um, you actually remember uh, if you dream and, and you happen to remember, you remember 
what you are remembering is what happened uh, in the dream world rather than what happened physically. So once you fall asleep, you don't know what is happening around you. Your senses are, are ideally suspended. But there is never a time where the spirit or the soul fall asleep. They're always in constant motion because, uh, but yet the body can sleep, the body can die, but the soul and the spirit, they, they never die. They are eternal. So you find that um, the, 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 the soulish realm, you know, the, where, where all of the, your thoughts and all of these things happen. Now that's another, another, another realm. So it's very important then to make sure that there is a connection between the soul, the, the physical realm, the soulish realm, and the spiritual realm. If we read uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 33. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33 will show that um, maybe for the, we are gonna read more scripture. So this is just to, to introduce Matthew chapter three, verse 33, it talks about how the kingdom of heaven is likened um, to, it talks about uh, a woman who had three measures of meal. Uh, okay, to, or rather to say, let's just say there were three, there was dough. Uh, there was one dough like flour. So if you're talking about the dough, well, let's say she was making bread or whatever it may be. So she had a bundle of dough and then another one, another one, that's three. The, the, the reference is Matthew 13 verse 33. Then she said, the kingdom of heaven is like that, where my lady had three measures and then uh, of uh, dough, and, and then, you know, and she put uh, leaven inside until they were all leaven. In other words, all the three measures of dough now were, uh, were having the yeast or the leaven. Um, so what does that mean? Because he's likening it to the kingdom of heaven. And all the parables that Jesus was sharing about the kingdom of heaven, he was trying to show how it has therefore an impact in this physical world. So when you look at those three measures, uh, there's the spirit, there's the soul, and there's the body. Now the idea is that uh, all these three measures are then impacted by, uh, by the kingdom of heaven, because the kingdom of heaven is like living, which a woman put in three measures until they were all living. So the, the kingdom of heaven impacting the spirit, which we already know, impacting the soul, impacting the body. Um, so now these three are connected. They're all impacted and influenced by, by the kingdom of heaven. So he says, you know, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So that brings us to the, the first point, because we're talking about just some principles of manifesting the word of God, because the word of God is in the spiritual realm. It's in the spiritual dimension. But then as people, we are spirit beings, but then we have a soul and we have a body. Now, the, the word of God will not just manifest in the physical realm outside of uh, it impacting the soulish realm, outside of it impacting the physical realm. You know, just an example, you know, in the, when, when the word of God went forth, that there is going to be a savior that's going to be born. Uh, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, it was spoken about in Isaiah chapter nine, 
it was talking about in Isaiah 7, uh, all the scriptures that have been prophesied uh, about uh, the coming of Christ, coming of the Messiah. You know, so this is this is words spoken in the spiritual realm. Prophets caught it and spoke it. But then now God then had to send an angel to speak to this woman called Mary to say, as the word of God has gone forth, uh, but it can't just hover in the physical realm. We need now somebody who becomes a carrier of that word. So there had to be a conversation between Mary and God, let's put it like that, in terms of her now, when you read the story, her saying, be it unto me according to the word. So actually the word of God doesn't just, I know we believe that God is powerful and will just release the word and it's gonna happen, which is true. But then you find that there's always a vessel, there's always a person who becomes a recipient of that word so that that word can manifest. In this case, Mary had to say, be it unto me, according to the word of God, um, you understand. So she believed, uh, that's why it says, blessed is he that has believed, for there shall be a performance. So it's very important that we understand that in terms of the, the word of God manifesting, there's always a person who is a recipient, who believes the word of God, hallelujah, who receives the word of God and it becomes a carrier of that to say, I'm going to manifest um, that word of God, hallelujah. So that is, you can, you can see throughout, even Jesus himself, um, when he had to go to the cross, there is a word that was released that, you know, Isaiah 53, you know, he was wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes, uh, we were healed. Um, you know, Psalms 22, there are prophecies about the cross, but then there was a time when Jesus had to, then say, I'm gonna carry this word because he went to the garden of Gethsemane and said, you know, if it's possible, let this cup pass. So it, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So where is the will? The will is found in the soulish realm because the soul consists of the will. So Jesus now had to make a decision that there is a word, there's the will of God that says I must go to the cross. Now my my will in my soul, my will has to align with the will of the Father, with the will of the Spirit. That's why I said, until the whole is living. So now your will has to align with the will of God so that Jesus could go to the cross. It's not like there was a lightning that struck Jesus and he found himself on the cross, was moving like a zombie. You know, that's not how it works. God had to speak to Mary. God had to speak to, and Jesus had to wrestle with himself that, look, uh, if it's possible for this cup to pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He didn't say there, well, God, since you're all powerful, you are a sovereign God. If, if it needs that the salvation will come, it will come. And then he continued with his life. That is not how it works. Okay. Um, so let's go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 19 um, to 23. But uh, I want to focus on verse 23. So for the interest of time, let's just go straight to 23. Hallelujah. Is my sister still there? Yes, Matthew 13, verse 33. 20, 23, 23. He told them another person. 
23. Yes. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and grasps and comprehends it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred times as much as was sown, in another 60 times as much as in another 30. Okay. So now uh, to summarize it, uh, you, 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 this, this is uh, what we call the parable of the sower. Now, when you talk about the parable of the sower, it's a very simple story. Um, Jesus is, 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 in fact, this parable of the sower, when you read it, Jesus says, if you understand this parable, you will understand all the parables. So Jesus is saying that there's, there's, there's number one, there is the one who sows the, 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 the seed, which is the farmer. And then number two, there's the seed. And then number three, there's the soil. Um, so when you read the parable of the sower, there are four different kinds of scenarios that he speaks about there. So if you want to put it, there are four different hearts uh, that are there. Um, but in all these different hearts or all in these different soils, where uh, the seed is the same seed, it's not a different seed, it's not a different farmer. So what remains constant is that the one sowing the seed is the same. The seed is the same. And what differs is the soil. And then because of the soil differing, then it means the outcome also is different. So actually the, the, the greatest, uh, is it a variable or variant or the, the thing that creates um, the, the greatest impact on the result is not the farmer, is not the seed, uh, but it is actually the soil. So he said the seed fell on one type of ground, it fell on another kind, it fell on another kind, but then the last one, he says, is the man who hears the word of God, who understands it. So in other words, he's saying that when there is understanding of the word of God, when the word of God, you 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 grasp it, you receive it. Then he says. Then after that, the word produces thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. The other ones, it said it was by the wayside, like someone took uh, a seed and threw it on on the road. Nothing is going to happen there. Uh, not because the seed is not a good seed, but because the ground is not conducive. And then he likens that to someone who hears the word who doesn't understand it. And then Satan comes to steal the word. And then he talks about the, the stony ground. So the seed is thrown on a stony ground. He says, what happens is the seed enters the soil, but because underneath the soil, there's a lot of rocks, then the, 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 the roots cannot go deep because they encounter the rock and they cannot penetrate the rock. So what happens is that thing dies uh, prematurely. You know, so actually you find that now he, he actually explains that seed to say there are those who have got no depth. Um, let me call, he says they receive the word with excitement, like you go to the house of God, you hear the word of God, the preacher is the farmer. He's releasing the word, releasing prophecies, releasing declarations. You receive it with joy, but because there is no depth, uh, you, are, you, are, you know, it's a type of believer who just goes to church on Sunday and hears the word of God. And definitely under that atmosphere, everyone is dead, everybody's excited, you know, because the word of God is coming with power. But then you find that the person has no depth. 
you understand? Because you see, anyone who does any kind of farming, you have to till the ground. You prepare the ground for what you are going to farm. So uh, the preparing of the ground uh, is something that also an individual has to do so that the seed finds place. So he says, you know, when the seed goes in, it finds it has no depth. And then he talks about the sun scorching. So in other words, it's an individual that when challenges come, uh, because of no depth, the roots could not go down in. So you find that uh, they easily fall away. So it means when challenges come, those are the people who normally disappear uh, from uh, whether it's not just from church, but from the faith. They disappear because there's no root um, in them. So they're unable to weather the challenges. They receive the word of God with excitement. Then anything that comes to contradict or challenge the word, uh, that is the end. Uh, for them. Um, but I was focusing on the last one. But the third one, it says, you know, the seed is choked and all of that. Um, so obviously we see the, the part of the key of the word of God manifesting is our heart. What, what posture is our heart? What is the state uh, of our heart? So the only way for our heart is to be worked on is now for us to have that relationship with the spirit of God, because one, he's the spirit of truth where the spirit of God is, there's liberty. So verse 23 says that um, the word of God, the person hears the word of God, he understands it, and then it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. So I think we all know uh, that 30 is not the same as 60. 60 is not the same as 100, you know. So he's actually saying that you can always grow in the word of God. So even if you are in the place of understanding, the word of God can can produce more and more and more. Even just on that, um, you know, it's like it's like when we read the Bible. I know it has happened to many of us. You read the Bible, you read a particular scripture, and you you feel blessed by that scripture. Um, you get a revelation from that scripture. You act on that and see the fruit. But then he's saying, then again, you read the scripture and you're like, I've read the scripture, but now something new. When it's something new, it means it could be taking you to a higher level of manifestation. So you find that there's 30, there's 60, there's 100 fold. So the, the greater the understanding, the more understanding, the more uh, the, the word of God uh, then bears fruit. So the key is to seek for a heart that has understanding. You know, sometimes we we are looking for, the, you know, the, we are looking for the, the, the uh, you know, we, we uh, let me put it like this. We're looking for a word to send somewhere uh, rather than a word that can enter our hearts. So we, we, and there's nothing wrong with declaring the word over your marriage or finances or not, but we feel like the word of God is going to certain things. Uh, you know, the word of God is directed to my finances, directed to my family, to my kids, to this and this. But then what about the word that's directed to your heart? Because the word of God, the residency of the word of God is the heart. That is where it should land. Then the Bible says, out of your heart comes the issues of life. So most of the time we're looking for a word, like we say the word was declared in January. So we believe the word of God is moving around throughout the year. Now it's April, the word of God is in April. It's going to jump into May. It's going to jump into June, but then in the heart, it's not there, but it's a, it's a floating thing, you know, uh, that has been sprayed. But actually, the location for the word of God is my is the heart. You are looking for a word that will touch your heart. You are looking to say, um, 
is my heart uh, a good place for the word of God? Not just to say, is the word of God going to reach my family? Is it going to reach my business? You know, uh, and, and all of that. So that's very important in the heart. And then the word of God produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. So you keep on getting um, better and better and better results um, that are there. So that comes through understanding. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 says, the secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed, they belong to us. So once there's a revelation of something, you take ownership of it. Um, it becomes, uh, it's not just becoming God's word, but it becomes your word. It doesn't just become the word of the preacher, but it becomes uh, your word. Uh, why do I say this? When Jesus asked these guys, who do men say that I am? Um, he was now questioning them. And they said, uh, some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're this and that. You know, they gave a whole different, uh, different answers. Then he now said, okay, we've asked what people are saying about me. Now, who do you say that I am? Now the question is, what is your, uh, what is your understanding? What is your, uh, you know, revelation? What is your uh, picture of who Jesus is? Then Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Then he said, uh, you are Peter and upon this rock. Blessed are you, Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So you see that what was happening there is that Jesus was talking to all the disciples. They all gave answers. But now when it came to a person saying for himself who Jesus is, Jesus didn't now direct the word to everybody. But he said, blessed are you, Peter, because it is you, Peter, who got the right answer, if I may put it like that. It is you, Peter, who got the revelation from the Holy Spirit of who Jesus is. Therefore, because of what has happened in your heart, because of what you have seen, then you are blessed. He didn't say it to everyone because uh, it was a personal thing that, uh, that Peter saw for himself. Hallelujah. So it's the same thing that the word of God goes forth generically, but now it is the individuals who then see have see the word of God, who get an understanding of the word of God, who get a revelation of the word of God, who then begin to see uh, the different results. That's why it says there were four soils, four hearts. They were all receiving the word of God. And even the ones which were good ground, the, the, answer, the results are not the same. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So uh, it's not about jealousy. Uh, and competition to say why this one has a hundredfold and I have got 30, uh, or why is it I've got nothing and this one got a hundred. In fact, Jesus actually explains it when you read more about the parable to say, the one who has more will be given. He's saying that because this person has understanding, but so chances are because he has got understanding, this thing will keep on multiplying. But the one who doesn't have understanding, he will even get uh, he, he will even lose what he has because then Satan steals the word. But the one who has understanding, it keeps on, you know, um, uh, getting, you know, it's like when you're good at something, uh, you, you get what I'm saying? Or let's just say when you're at school, uh, if the student is good, he understands the subject, he's going to keep on getting better and better and better marks. 
It's not now that the teacher is unfair and says, you know what, when you've been getting 90%, can we now give it to this one here who is not getting any percent or is getting 20%? No, the more understanding, the better results, the more awards they get at school, the more uh, you know accolades they get. But the one who just keeps not understanding, in fact, you find it doesn't even progress to the next class. Uh, he remains in the same class. There's a possibility he may even be chased. Uh, because you, you cannot keep on repeating and repeating. So you find that now they won't say, for the sake of this one, let's take marks from this one and give. The more understanding, the more uh, you keep on excelling. Uh, it's not favoritism. It is the understanding that has granted someone uh, ability to produce more. Hallelujah. Are we still together? So I, I think we've understood that we're talking about principles to manifesting the word of God. One was our hearts, our soul aligning with the spirit. Uh, number two, it was the understanding of the word of God. Hallelujah. Number three, we will say the capacity to manifest the word of God. Amen. Now we can go to Jude chapter one. And verse 20, there's only one chapter, but I'll use this story uh, to explain it and then we'll go to Jude. Are we still there, saints? Can I get an amen at least? Amen. 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 Yeah, so uh, when, when God spoke a word, and said, I'm sending you guys to the land of milk and honey. Um, I, I believe you remember that story, Numbers 13, Numbers 14. He says, I'm sending you to the, to the land of milk and honey. Uh, now there were 12 spies, there were 12 people in short. Now these 12 spies were sent. Now when you summarize the story, 10 of them came back and said, hey, you know what, they're giants, it's not possible for us to overcome. And then there were two, who came back with what the Bible says, good report. They said, we are well able to take uh, this land. So again, we see that the word of God was shared and these people were all sent. They were all part of the same group. But then 10 felt like we can't handle this. They didn't have the capacity to take the word of God and look at the situation and see a possible si a, a possibility of victory. Whereas these ones said, these men are, uh, are bread to us. These guys saw them as bread. Uh, the, uh, the, two, the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they were their name. The other 10, they said, we are like grasshoppers, you know. So one person is saying that these guys are bread. The other ones are saying, we uh, are grasshoppers. It, what was the difference? It, it, was the, it, was, it was their capacity to take the word of God, hallelujah, and face whatever they were facing. Um, or we could also use the same thing, that it's still understanding, because these ones saw themselves as grasshoppers. These ones saw these people as bread, which they're going to eat up, even though they were giants um, that were there. So Jude chapter 1, verse 20, if we can read. Hallelujah. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. But you, beloved... Build yourself up, founded on your most holy faith. Make progress, rise like an 
edifies higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, you know, I, I, I won't delve into that, but there's a scripture which actually talks about, you know, um, after all diligence in the book of Peter, it talks about adding to your faith. Um, so you can research that one afterwards. And then the end result is saying, so that you may be fruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But uh, what I'm seeing here, saying here is in Jude 1 verse 20, uh, he's also speaking a similar things to says, building yourself on your most holy faith. So when you get born again, it's like the foundation has been laid, you know, but a foundation and a house are not the same thing, you know. So he says, building yourself on your most holy faith. So if you have been given a piece of land, you know, uh, so you have a piece of land, but now on that piece of land, it, 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 it now depends what are you going to build on it. So Peter says, add to your faith. And he speaks about adventure, knowledge, patience, uh, temperance, all these type of things. So he's saying this is what you should do. And he talks about having diligence to do that. So the Bible says, building yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I think the, the just not long ago, we had that word feast where I shared that the word build there is like you're building a structure. You know, so when he says, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're building a structure. It's like you're building a house. So the question is also, what type of house are you building? What type of faith house are you building? So the 10 guys, I don't know whether they had the house or it was just a piece of land or it was a one room or whatever. I don't want to mention whatever, but you know, so here it says building yourself in your most holy faith. So there is no limitation on how far and how much you can build. So obviously you know that if you build a house or you build a warehouse or you build a, a structure, you know that if I'm building a block of flats, I can build two, I can build 10, I can build 20. That the, 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 the number I build will determine how many tenants I can receive and therefore how much income I can make. You know, if I'm building a house, the house will then determine what can I put there? Is there space for multiple cars? Is there space for this kind of furniture and all? So he says, building yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So he's basically saying that now your job is to be building on that foundation, which is now the capacity needed to be able to accommodate all these things. Because when God said to them, I've given you the land, um, it wasn't the inability of the word of God uh, for them to possess the land, but it was that they didn't have the capacity in their hearts. You know, their house was very small. So they saw themselves as grasshoppers. But these guys, they, they had built themselves, they had built the capacity where they saw that these guys are just like bread. Are we together? So let me show you something. I want us to go to um, Matthew chapter 5 from verse 21. So this is to say, let us build ourselves. Let us build our spiritual life. Let us build our knowledge base. You know, as, uh, uh, is it the book of Proverbs? Let me open this one quickly. Um, Proverbs 24. It says, through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all 
precious and pleasant things. A wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increases strength. So it's trying to show us that, you know, the truth through salvation, we've been given the plot, the piece of land, but through wisdom, we build it. We also see that we build ourselves in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Then understanding has it established. Hallelujah. Because when you have understanding, then according to the parable, Satan cannot come and steal the word of God. Because let me tell you something, that the, the enemy is not really after your watch or the money in your account. Whenever he attacks anything physical around you, he's trying to shake you such that you can turn to a place of unbelief, doubting the word. That's why the second, the second soil, the second soil which I said had stones, it says it had no depth. They received the word of God with joy. But when persecution arises because of the word of God, now you have to go and check, uh, you know, all the scriptures that are, are, I'm not reading out uh, for yourself because that helps. That's also you building yourself because Acts 17 says, after Paul preached, they went to check it out. Um, so the Bible says persecution arises because of the word and because they have no depth, they fall away. So it means that he comes to take the word. He's not really interested about taking your money. Uh, he didn't come to destroy your giza or to scratch your car or whatever, you know, but he's, he's there to, to cause you to shift, to say, you know, this thing that they've been preaching, you know. Uh, so next time you go to church, you'd be like, ah, you know, um, what's happening here? because I, we've been here. You know how people say we've heard these things before and all of that is to steal the, the word of God. Okay. So Matthew chapter, Mark chapter five, verse 21 to 23. Um, if we can read there. Thank you, Jesus. Mark chapter five. 21 to 23. And when Jesus had twenty-one years, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Twenty-two. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Yeah, read verse 23. Pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Okay. So I want you to take note of something. This guy... Um... Okay, read verse 24. Okay, verse 24 says, and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. So this guy came to Jesus and gave the condition that his daughter is sick. And he said, please come and lay hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So we see that this man had, a, uh, had, a, uh, uh, had, had something in his heart uh, that, you know what, if I can find Jesus and ask him to lay hands on my daughter, she will live. So this is what he was believing that, and Jesus says, I'm going to come there and do that. Okay. Now, if you continue reading the story, there is another lady now who has the issue of blood, who also heard about, because the Bible says she heard about Jesus. She suffered many things. She lost her money uh, trying to get treatment for this problem. 
um, uh, but the Bible says after 12 years, she didn't get better, she get worse. But look at what she says. If I may touch but his clothes, I will be made well. So you see that they had a picture uh, in there. They had a mental picture. One's mental picture is Jesus must lay hands and my daughter will live. The other one had a picture to say, if I can touch his clothes, um, I will get healed. The end result is they all got results. Um, um, the lady touched him and uh, she was made whole. And she touched him without Jesus praying. This guy asked, please come uh, and lay, uh, lay hands on my daughter and she will leave. This person just said, you know what? I'm not even going to have a conversation with Jesus. I'm just gonna touch him. And virtue left Jesus and she was healed. So you see that it's still the same Jesus, it's the same power, but you see someone then uh, had a certain condition in their mind. So it's not that the power of God dictated how it should happen, but it was the person who set himself to say, healing is available and therefore I'm gonna get it like this. You know, um, This one said, touch my daughter and be healed. This one actually said, I'm just gonna touch the clothes uh, and I'm going to be made well. So that is why some people will say, I listened to the word of God, I got healed. Others will, you know, they really feel that you, you must lay hands on them uh, and, they, and, they may, and they, they may be healed. And Jesus understood that, you know what, there's 30, 60, 104 people at different levels, you know. So the word of God, uh, it's, it always produces, but even the way it produces, it is determined by the, the vessels. Because if you go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, if you can go there quickly. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, verse 5. Yeah, read 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Okay. When Jesus returned to Kepe, a Roman officer came in. You are disappearing. Okay, let me read. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, they came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of palsy, uh, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. So Jesus says, I'm coming to heal the guy. And then the centurion answers, I No, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. So this one was like, you don't have to come into my house. You don't have to do anything. Just send, just speak the word, send the word, and my servant will be healed. So one guy said, come and lay hands. He felt like Jesus must enter my house and lay hands on my daughter. This one is like, no, just release the word. The, and he was like, you see, for me, I'm a man under authority. Now he had, he, he was like me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an army official. So I normally just send speaker word and things happen. So now Jesus said, this was great faith. Um, if you continue reading. And the Bible says the man, the, his servant was healed the very hour that Jesus spoke. So you see here, yeah, Jesus was actually saying, I'm coming to your house. But this person said, no, just speak the word. You know, so we see that it's the same Jesus, it's the same power, but the the the, the manifestations are, are different. Why? Because of the individuals, the vessels, the carriers 
who have positioned themselves based on what they see, what they understand, what they know. This man's understanding is there's no way, there's no need for Jesus to travel. So you see, the miracle happened faster because let's say uh, uh, Jesus was in uh, Emma Lashley and um, the guy was in Cape Town. Well, he could have taken a plane. Let's say they were going on road. So his healing would have been delayed by about, you know, some uh, 16 plus hours, you know. Whereas if he was just then a Malathian and said, speak the word, the man was going to be healed on the spot, uh, you know. Last, just like Jeria's daughter, uh, the lady died whilst he was still waiting for Jesus to come uh, through, you know. And these guys came and said, hey, the lady's dead. Just leave Jesus alone. And Jesus said, do not be afraid, only believe. And then he went there and resurrected the, uh, resurrected the daughter uh, that was there. So we see here that uh, it's still coming back to saying these are principles to manifesting the word to say, um, what is your understanding? What is your picture? What have you said? What have you declared? What have you positioned yourself? Mark chapter 11, verse 23, it says, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you have them. So that means that what is your desire uh, concerning the word of God? What is your understanding? What is the picture that you have painted concerning the word of God? And then uh, you take it from there. You understand? We have got different pictures. One says, speak the word. One says, uh, uh, lay hands. One says, what? So when we are even listening to the word of God, we all have different expectations. We have all got different pictures. We all have different uh, uh, desires that are there. But he says, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it. So that your desire now is a, is, a, is a barometer, is a measuring thing to say what will then happen. Um, if you don't desire it, then it won't happen. You see, you feel like if God really wants it, but really sometimes it's not about if God really wants it, but do you, because he says whatever you desire, you must desire it. Even when it comes, uh, I always use this, when it comes to the spiritual gifts, he says desire earnestly the best gifts. So in other words, the gifts are there, but if you don't desire them, they're not going to manifest, you know. You see, if you you, you don't desire prophecy, then, you know, outside of now when the, the, the hand of God is upon you, there's a gift of God. But if you don't desire miracles, you don't desire it, you must desire. I remember one man of God, he said, you know, I have a desire. There are specific diseases I want to see healed. And he prayed and he prayed to say, I want to see this one. He had a desire and he said, faithful to that, he was getting miracles in those particular diseases. Why? Because he had a desire. Jesus says, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me. Then out of his belly will flow. So the rivers of living water don't just flow to say now, Mzalwane is there, he has appeared in the house of God or he has come into prayer. But it says, if any man is thirsty, uh, let him come. Thirst is like a desire, then out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe. So what is it that you are desiring? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? Because then if you are thirsty and you are hungry, there is going to be a pursuit that you're going to have. Hallelujah. It's like when somebody is, 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 is whether a young man or old man, uh, he's, you know, he has got interest in a lady. You know, you can't say that you have got interest in a lady and then you are not, you are not pursuing. 
are just sitting back and watching, hoping that uh, somehow the lady will catch the interest. Uh, maybe she can see the interest, but she's. I'm just talking in general uh, from a guy's perspective. Then maybe she can see the interest, but she can't see uh, the movement. I remember there's... Okay, sorry, I got kicked out. Yes, so I was talking about desire. Wherever it stopped, uh, well, just take it. So I was saying desire. So I was saying that if somebody has a desire for uh, 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 to to be in a relationship with somebody, uh, you know, there has to be then a pursuit. If, they don't, if it ends in desire, then it would be a problem. So I remember there was another lady in church. I said, so when are you went to marry some guy outside of the church, you mean there was no one in church that you you uh, you could find? Then she's like, hey, it's not that, but the guys in church were quiet. They never said anything. Uh, this guy is the one who showed interest and asked out. The, the others were quiet. They were not saying anything. You get what I'm saying? So it's not necessarily about I didn't want or I didn't want this, but someone had a desire, they pursued their desire, they got what they desired. Amen. Are we still together? Um, I want us to open the book of Second Kings, chapter 13, verse from verse 17. Second Kings chapter 13 from verse 17 to 19. If my sister is born, then are you there? Second King. Yes, I'm here, 13, Pastor. 17 to 19. Then he commanded, open that eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, Shout. So he shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed. This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Aramites at a peak. Then he said, now pick up the, the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he explained. Then you would have beaten Arab until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Okay. So you see, when the guy, the guy came with some arrows and then he said this, when he was firing, he said, this is the arrow of the Lord. And basically the man had many arrows, but he only used three. And he was like, why did you stop at three? So in other words, the miracle, the breakthrough, whatever, it was not based on... Uh, what the man of God said, or the arrow of the Lord, but it was based on this guy, then stopped at three. And he said, you could have gone more, because this is the arrow of the Lord's victory. So now the victory, how far the victory went, was based on this guy firing one, two, three times. So that's why I'm saying, when we talk about principles of manifesting the word of God, there is a part that we play. The victory was there, but then he hit three times. And this man was now angry. Why did you hit three? Especially because you had more than three arrows. So it's a lesson for us. So uh, because of time, I won't open the other scriptures. I'll now 
just uh, quote them uh, there. The same thing in the book of, you can write it down, 2 Kings chapter 4, from 3 to 6. This lady was a widow. She was a husband of a prophet. And then um, the prophet asked her, what do you have in the house? This is Elisha. And then she says, I've got oil. Uh, then he said, you know, I'd go and borrow jars. And he says, he says, he says, uh, but do not borrow a few. Now, if I was to ask anyone here, what is a few? Because he didn't give a number. He just says, do not borrow a few. So to a few, few to someone could be uh, less than five. To another person, few could be less than 10. To another few could be less than, you know, it's, it's a word, it's a relative word. So now the few will be determined by the person to say, okay, if few starts from this point, that means that I must not get below five chance. Another person says I must not get below a hundred chance because their understanding of few uh, varies. Like if we can ask here, what is few? If we ask here people, what is a lot of money? We will all give different answers. You know, to some people, a hundred is a lot. To another person, it's a hundred thousand. To another, it's a million. So now the Bible tells us that when she borrowed the jars, when the jars finished, the oil also stopped pouring, which meant that the oil was looking for how many jars are on the ground. So if to her uh, more than few was a hundred, it means that. So the man of God didn't tell her, go and borrow uh, 10,000 jars or 5,000 jars or whatever. And if you follow that story, it meant that if the lady had borrowed 1 billion jars, I guess they were all going to be filled uh, there. So you see the aspect of do not borrow a few is now on the person to say, what is a few? Uh, you know, because there's no number given, unless maybe you said the Holy Spirit gave you a number, you know. Um, but the oil that she received was based on what she was able to borrow. So it's the same thing, you know. Even in the book of Corinthians, you know, when you read 2 Corinthians 9, it says he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater and multiplies the seed sown. So what God multiplies, he multiplies the seed that is sown. There is an element of mathematics. I know people say it's not mathematics. If you read the Bible, there, is, there are principles and there is an element of mathematics behind some of these things. Because when you say he multiplies the seed sown, which means that there is, there is the God's ability to multiply and then there is the seed. So when you bring these two together, then it gives an outcome. He says, he that sows sparingly, shall reap sparingly, which means there is an element of quantifying to say it can't just be sowing sparingly and reaping, reaping bountifully. You, whatever you sow, then it is multiplied based on the seed that is sown, not based on the, the power of God. He says he multiplies the seed sown. So that then determines the outcome um, um, that is there. So that is what we, we, we learn. Even when Jesus told them, uh, throw your nets into the water. Um, the guys threw the nets. Um, now, if you look at the story carefully, uh, when when Peter said, according to your word, you know when somebody says, we've toiled the whole night, we caught nothing, but since you are saying it, since you insist, let's throw the net. He threw the old nets inside. That's why they broke uh, there. And he just threw one net there. But if he had thrown many, I don't know how many fish, uh, they were there that they were going to catch. Um, so 
this is just an encouragement, number one, to say, let our hearts align with the word of God. Uh, let us get understanding. Hallelujah. Let us act on the word of God. Let us build that capacity to receive the word of God. Uh, what picture is it that you have of what God has spoken? And we can go on and go on, but I want to stop here um, for today. Hallelujah. Outside of any questions or comments.